PM board bombs. Now, here's doctors Iltafat Hussein and Blake Briggs. Welcome back to another EM board bombs podcast where we help you study for boards, but in reality, we help you study for hashtag EM life. One rapid podcast episode at a time. My name is Blake Briggs. I'm not joined by Dr. Hussein today. Don't worry, don't worry. He survived the camping trip that we did two weeks ago. More on that in a minute. For each 15-minute episode, you gain high-yield board knowledge. As you like to say, come for the stems, stay for the content. You can drop an Apple review online. Check us out. Our website is at emboardbombs.com. Twitter handle at emboardbombs gaining thousands of followers in addition to what we already have, over 8,000 now. It's insane. So please join the magic online. Marlena Kuhn, our amazing PR specialist, just rocking it on there, publishing some amazing material that you need to know for emergency medicine. So Iltafat Hussein is not joining us today. This man conquered the wilderness with me less than two weeks ago, along with Joseph, our friendly neighborhood PA at Wake Forest. And we had an amazing time. Uh, More on that later. Yes, we did record an episode in the wilderness. Uh, Yes, we did lose the uh, listening device on that. So hopefully it's not in the bottom of the Linville Gorge. We will get that information hopefully published soon. It's like the Lost Archives. It's almost like the Disney Vault, but it's actually real. It's like Lost in the jungle somewhere, Indiana Jones. So we'll find it and uh, publish that, and it should be a pretty awesome episode. But for now, let's talk about an instant classic. We had a 22-year-old male brought into the ED in its stremis after being found near a gas station by police. Apparently, the gas station attendant said that he heard the person complaining about gas prices hours earlier, but was confused because the patient did not park a car at the gas station. The gas attendant refused to answer any more questions until EMS upvoted the Reddit post about gas prices the attendant launched online. EMS politely declined. They said no thank you, and stated that the patient was actually unresponsive and needed their immediate attention. The gas attendant thought that the patient actually was just sleeping it off. So EMS tells you the patient was unresponsive at the scene and didn't respond to two doses of naloxone. EMS also found a brown paper bag that smelled like petroleum. The patient was subsequently intubated in the ED and loses pulses soon afterward. That's not good. The patient received one round of CPR and has a return of pulses. Current heart rate is 142 and blood pressure 101 over 45. What is the best next step? Choice A, IV epinephrine drip. Choice B, IV norepinephrine drip. Choice C, IV stress dose corticosteroid. Choice D, IV esmolol. Correct answer here is going to be choice D, IV esmolol. Whoa, where did that come from? Let's talk about hydrocarbons. This is a really cool topic. So if you're an EM Rapid Bomb subscriber, you'll think this is a familiar topic. We talked about this actually several months ago. So if you're interested in becoming a premium subscriber to EM Rapid Bombs, let me sweeten the deal. You get access to the most premium content in EM board studying, as well as just things you need to know for your life in emergency medicine. It's our premium podcast, EM Rapid Bombs. If you enjoy EM board bombs but want to TikTok, version of our podcast. That's what our Rapid Bombs podcast is. We prepare you for boards and clinical practice. So don't waste your time just studying for boards. There's plenty of board studying resources out there. Most of them are great. We do both at the same time. 
So unlike other resources, our premium podcast is the only one that downloads to your favorite podcast player on your smartphone. In other words, if you use Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or any other podcast player, EM Rapid Bombs directly downloads to your phone, app of choice, or smartphone device or whatever computer thing. No need to download a separate clunky app. No need to log onto a website to download your uh, episodes. We have over 250 podcast episodes and counting on EM Rapid Bombs. Each podcast is short. They're all less than five minutes, where we drop high-yield bombs in a question-answer format so it gets seared into your memory. On average, we drop about three episodes a week or so. You get a new podcast delivered to your feed often. So don't waste your time studying just for the test with traditional question banks. Optimize your time by listening to our board pearls that will help you with the test, but more importantly, with your life. You can sign up at emrapidbombs.supercast.com. Look at the show notes of this podcast as well. It gives you a direct link. So now that we have that in mind, let's talk about this awesome topic here that our EM Rapid Bombs listeners probably already know. I wanted to cover, this is a nicer deep dive on the subject, so I want to cover some cool additional information to make it a little more interesting. So hydrocarbons are organic compounds that contain hydrogen and carbon. (laughs) It's that simple. They have low viscosity, high volatility, and low surface tension, making them easy to inhale and very, very dangerous to the pulmonary and cardiac system. Depending on how lipophilic they are, they can also penetrate the blood-brain barrier. Exposures to hydrocarbons come in many forms. There's three you gotta know about. Inhalation and ingestion are the most common, followed by dermal a little bit later. Out of all these three, ingestion is the most common. It's usually unintentional and typically seen in children. You know, exploratory sampling, children sipping up petroleum-based products by accident. However, in adults, you gotta worry about inhalation. Unfortunately, it's quite common. It's used for recreational inhalant abuse. There are multiple ways to inhale these noxious chemicals, and we have to know all three of them. Remember that whole thing uh, about body packing versus body stuffing versus body pushers? You know, it's like three different terms to describe how drugs end up ingested. Well, there's also three different ways you could describe how inhalants are abused. Huffing is the use of an inhalant by putting a soaked rag up to the mouth or in it. Snorting is when the fumes are inhaled straight from the container. And bagging is when inhaled fumes from the agent were sprayed into a plastic bag. If you could guess, bagging is the most potent of these three options. So most hydrocarbons, like petroleum-based products, are just byproducts of crude oil. Hydrocarbons are also used as solvents and diluents in many products, such as household cosmetics, paint and glues, pesticides, fuels, essential oils, of course. I like they added that on the end, essential oils. So always be careful when you have your essential oils in your home. Should warn patients that they could get hydrocarbon poisoning. <laughs> so the effects, that's going to be an article in 20 years from now. Someone's going to talk about the hidden killer of essential oils. The effects of hydrocarbons can be summarized into three systems. Pulmonary, cardiac, and central nervous. So pulmonary, automatically think aspiration injury. Cardiac, automatically think dysrhythmias, like this patient in the question stem. And of course, central nervous system, we think ultramental status, seizures, any type of encephalopathy. So hydrocarbons can cause direct lung injury, and they also displace oxygen and disrupt surfactant. Really, they kind of suck at everything in the lungs. (laughs) They really make a lot of problems happen. They're kind of like a bull in a china shop. Hydrocarbons can sensitize the myocardium to catecholamines, which can result in ventricular dysrhythmias in sudden death. We'll get to that in a few minutes. It's the most fascinating thing you're going to learn about, I promise, in one week of doing emergency medicine. I promise. Hold on, i got to sip my coffee here. 
trying to slip in, you know, natural sounds, ASMR. I heard that uh, ASMR is really popular nowadays on YouTube, getting a lot of hits. Um, you know, it's kind of the world we live in now. So I'm just sipping my coffee. Hopefully people enjoy that. And uh, again, the key of observing these patients, right? We'll get to that disposition issue later. What about CNS intoxication? That's another presentation scenario of hydrocarbons. Well, we can have euphoria, agitation, hallucinations, confusion, bizarre behavior, and this can progress to CNS depression and seizures and requiring intubation. Very nonspecific, right? There's a lot of drugs out there that can cause CNS depression. Really important to get a good history from EMS and police if they're there, or family members. Finally, the third presentation is perhaps the most dangerous, which is cardiac toxicity. So cardiac arrhythmias and myocardial dysfunction may occur after hydrocarbon ingestion or inhalation. I didn't really include this as a presentation, but GI mucosa can also be involved. Burns to the upper airway and upper throat, upper pharynx, as well as esophagus can occur. Not with just ingestion, but inhalation as well. So keep that in mind. Kind of a minor issue here, right? Uh, we see that more with the corrosive injury in pediatrics, and there's a whole separate handout on this on the website you can check out for ingestion of corrosive substances and caustic ingestions. Management is supportive in the vast majority of cases with no antidote. Observation for six hours minimum is appropriate in asymptomatic patients who come in saying that they recently either ingested hydrocarbons or they inhaled them recreationally. So who should be admitted? This is fairly obvious. Anyone with pretty much any symptoms, no matter what, there's really no need for us to delve further into it. Uh, any symptoms that haven't resolved in six hours, any symptoms in general like CNS depression, tachypnea, hypoxia, any chest x-ray findings, concerning for aspiration, they're going to have potentially a decline in clinical status and they need to be in the hospital. So what about this particular patient in this question stem? I know that's what you're interested in. This particular patient has suffered from an acute hydrocarbon overdose resulting in acute respiratory and cardiac toxicity. This dramatic condition is called, I'm not kidding, sudden sniffing death syndrome. I need to get Chris Nolan, our friend, uh, cue some music for that. Basically, sudden death happens after inhaling hydrocarbons. First, when you're handling these patients, you got to remember staff protection. If there is any dermal absorption involved, which can happen if someone has hydrocarbons in their clothes and face, etc., you need to decontaminate the patient first and make sure staff are appropriately wearing PPE. Remember that hydrocarbons stimulate the myocardium and they make it extra sensitive to catecholamines, so sudden VT and VF can occur, and it's classically taught that the police or others discovering the patient inhaling will startle the patient and that'll cause this surge of catecholamines and it's a positive feedback loop. It goes out of control and it causes a sudden arrhythmia. It's really fascinating, actually. The theory is that catecholamines worsen or precipitate cardiac dysrhythmias and can be treated with short-acting beta blockers like esmolol, which are thought to be protective, which is why esmolol was the right answer here. In fact, epinephrine should be completely avoided in these patients for concern of precipitating an arrhythmia. This is even more interesting. ACLS is modified in these patients, so much so that most guidelines, especially toxicology expert guidelines, recommend giving lidocaine in the setting of ventricular tachycardia or ventricular fibrillation arrest rather than epinephrine. Some strange times we're living in, guys. ACLS modifying to get rid of epinephrine to give lidocaine? Crazy, huh? So what else doesn't work in treating hydrocarbon overdose? Well, corticosteroids and antibiotics have not been shown to prove outcomes, as we suspect, and are not indicated. I threw in the stress-dose corticosteroid line just to throw some people off, make it sound more intense, right? Stress-dose steroids or post 
ROSC steroids. I'm sure if you framed it that way, somebody would buy it and say, oh yeah, we can give that. So that's why choice A and B were wrong, though, that emphasized epinephrine drip or norepinephrine drip. Well, again, we're talking about minimizing the catecholamine surge. We don't want to give epinephrine. Also, this patient post-ROSC is having a normal blood pressure at 101 over 45. We don't need a norepinephrine drip right now. Again, the most important recognition of this condition is giving a beta blocker to prevent that dysrhythmia from happening again. Of course, benzodiazepines can be given in overdoses with those who have seizures. If you're a Rapid Bomb subscriber, we dropped a really fascinating anticholinergic episode recently where we talk about benzodiazepines. Another reason to subscribe to EM Rapid Bombs. So let's do a big summary here. So injuries from huffing and hydrocarbons specifically are really concentrated on the brains, lungs, and cardiac tissue. Management is supportive, so don't get roped into doing treatments that have no benefit on the test or in real life. Watch these patients for a minimum of six hours into a chest x-ray if they're asymptomatic. Never, ever do GI decontamination on the test for these patients. There's some weird, wonky, kind of niche elements of like nasogastric suction with certain hydrocarbon poisonings. It's not up to date. It's on a few tox websites. Don't worry about that unless you're doing a tox fellowship. You're going to have to contact a medical toxicologist in these patients, so don't need to know these details alone. Know the basics like I'm telling you. We are telling you what you need to know for the vast majority of these cases. Remember that hydrocarbons usually don't cause sudden death. Their supportive management is fine in the vast majority of cases. But in a small group, the classic patient who is actively inhaling or recently inhaled and has an excitable event or catecholamine surge of some type can stimulate VT or VF, and the myocardium is extra sensitive to catecholamines. In this case, this patient is having, I have to say it again because it's so interesting, sudden sniffing death syndrome. And you want to avoid epinephrine and instead give beta blockers like Esmolol. It's titratable. It's great. This is one of the very few times beta blockers are the right choice in a tox overdose. And I feel kind of stupid because I literally just did a rapid board bomb podcast on when to never give beta blockers for tox cases. And of course, I come out with a podcast, you know, several days later that says you can give beta blockers in this tox case. It's <laughs> like the one time you're supposed to give it. All right. That's all I got. Remember to check out our Rapid Bombs podcast. Hopefully next time we will have found the lost recordings in Linville Gorge of our hike. And from there we can launch the amazing, the incredible live camping episode we did on the top of Table Rock Mountain in North Carolina with Dr. Iltafat Hussein just rocking it out in the wilderness. When we recorded the podcast, Iltafat was actually wrestling a bear. Don't worry, the bear was not armed. And uh, next time, we'll see you again. This is Ian Borbombs. I'm Blake Briggs, your host and co-founder of this amazing podcast. Thanks again. We will see you next time. Stay classy. Oh,